Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. You know, those cold northern winds will be blowing across our Great Plains. And if you're feeling the shivers brr, inside your house, time to talk to your local Pella, Omaha, and Lincoln expert about taking a closer look at your windows. Save energy and stay warm with windows from Pella that are properly installed the patented Pella way by professionals using windows and doors with the highest energy efficiency ratings in the industry from Energy Star. For more information, check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my pals at Runza. You know, listeners of the show know that I'm a hip-hop fan. That's why when it's time to get my lunch game right, I crank up the Runza DMC, which which stands for Runza Delicious Meaty Combo. I get my Runza sandwich, little cheese in there, pair it up with the world's best crinkle fries, polish it off with a pop colder than the ice in LeBron James veins, baby. That's the Runza DMC, the delicious meaty combo. Get to Runza today. Get yours. Tell them your friend, Nick Ba sent you. All right, welcome back to the uh, to the podcast. Uh, Got to remind you, uh, if you're not subscribed, please do. Just click that subscribe button. And while you're there, leave a five-star rating and a review. It all helps. Uh, I sincerely appreciate it. And, you know, it's it's just so cool to see some of the numbers from the podcast. I got some, some updated download numbers for the month of October. And all I can say is, wow. I mean, uh, you, you guys are incredible, man. It, it was the highest month in the last eight months, which is just so cool. I'm having a blast doing this podcast. The audience has continued to grow. I told you on the very first podcast that I was excited to go on this journey with you guys. And it's just been, it's been so, so much fun. And uh, I, I really, really sincerely appreciate each and every one of you taking the time out to download the podcast, listen to the podcast, give me feedback. Uh, it, it, it's great, man. It, it, the relationship with you guys is, is so cool. So thank you. It really, really, really means a ton to me. Uh, with this recap pod, man, Nebraska Northwestern, the the Huskers lose on the road twenty one to thirteen, and Bo Rude and I had quite the therapy session here, man. We we slide the offense under the microscope, we slide the quarterback situation under the microscope as well. There's just a lot to discuss after another tough, frustrating loss for Nebraska. So let's get to it. Recap pod time. Nebraska Northwestern. Enjoy. All right, here we go. Well, here's a, you know what? Horoods here, and uh, we got a recap pod here. Nebraska Northwestern, the Huskers lose to the Wildcats 21-13. Can we just start with perspective? At least we played a game. Remember last Sunday, we didn't have a game to recap. We I'm had, trying to, I'm like. We had six months of no games. We thought we weren't going to get games. <laughs> then they gave us another week with no games. The positive is when you get a game. I my I feel like I'm my mom right now. We're like I feel like my mom would just never let like any time I would anything bad would happen I'd want to complain. She'd be like, "Well, look on the bright side. Your cereal is we have more cereal to you, eat. I made you a toaster strudel and wrote your name on it. You're like, 
Mom, that's pretty good. I Thank like, you, Mom. I feel like I just have to be my mom right now with the situation <laughs> where it's like, well, you know, I mean, at least they played a game. Uh, you know? Boy. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm at with this thing. That's where I'm at with this thing. Anything you want to, like... Usually, sometimes we start with like, "Hey, how about this fun topic?" Before we like just let's have a funny noise. Let's have a funny. Do you have anything? Anything? Um, you got anything for me? I mean, no, what you got for me? You nothing, nothing important happened over this weekend. So, <laughs> wink, 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 wink. There's nothing to talk about this weekend. Slow week. It was a slow, slow news. Slow week. week. So at least we have some football to talk. There about. we go. At least, at least Nebraska Northwestern <laughs> happened last night. Uh, I mean, there's a lot to unpack with this game. And usually, we were talking before, usually some of these games are like, and then on second and third, and second and three, they gave it to Danny Green. Like, it's not going to be one of those games. Yeah, Ohio State, we broke down almost play by play. Right, and there are certain games where that's important, you know? Like, this game is more of a big picture thing of a variety of issues that are just continue to creep up. And what's hard is you contrast... What we're, I think what we're about to talk about, I think the tone of this podcast, when you contrast it with the tone of the first recap pod, it's going to be interesting how different they are. We were opt. Here's why. We yeah. were optimistic in the Ohio State. I think uh, without you giving me <laughs> the answer, I think it's going to be pessimistic. Well, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how it is it, you know? And I think one of the things I was thinking about, because even on like, I did a solo podcast for my second podcast of last week, and one of the things I talked about was the... And we even talked about it a little bit last week on it's kind of a sneaky like there's a decent opportunity here for Nebraska, you know, and then you go see that game and you just if I could go back like I want to talk to Pat who produces my podcast, but can you just go like take the last whole part of me talking about how Nebraska has a chance to make some noise? Just take it out of the podcast because it's embarrassing now to to see that. But like I think I was really trying to. I went on a, I went on a, I'm trying to soak up as many bike rides as I can with this weather still good. So I went on a bike ride this morning and I just was thinking. And I think I, I keep on giving Nebraska the benefit of the doubt because of, I mean, let's be honest, on some level, you're, you think yeah. probably with your heart and not your head. But the big thing, I think I keep on giving Nebraska the benefit of the doubt because I look at the self-inflicted issues, the sloppiness, the undisciplined stuff, the penalties, those things. I look at those self-inflicted things as something you would think is fixable fairly quickly. And maybe I'm just, it's clearly not like I, like at some point I need to like realize that, I mean, we're now into the year three and it's a lot of the same sloppy undisciplined stuff that is prevalent in every game. I think that's fair. Now, let me ask you this. If we had to break it down into an area to start, where like where do you want to start with that? Well, I, I think, well, it's more of a, I mean, just nine penalties. Yeah. Five false starts. Five false starts with zero human beings in the stands. Zero human beings in the stands. I don't know. So it's the same, you know, like last week we do this whole thing and it's not, I'm, we're not wrong. So we do this whole thing like, man, if Nebraska just, they don't get against Ohio State, if they don't have the delay a game coming out of the the yeah. series and if they don't, if they don't uh, fumble twice with Martinez and McCaffrey, and if they don't have a, a false start with Lever on, on, a, on second and one, like we do these things where it's like, man, if they just, if they just, if they just, and it's like, 
we we do a lot of the and if they just we and we're guilty. We play of that. the if if yeah. and but game quite a bit. We're very guilty of that on this podcast because that's we, we we enjoy it in some weird yeah. way. But here, here's what I will say: I think that to say never have a penalty like Northwestern had plenty of penalties, sure, right? And they're I would call them a disciplined team. Now here's the difference that I'm starting the trend that scares me that I'm seeing is I think penalties happen. I think you want as little amount of those penalties and bonehead plays as possible. Nebraska has consistently made a bad play or a bad penalty in the exact wrong time to make it. So our timeliness for these bad plays is what to me is separating us from the average penalty and the average team discipline. Right. The timing of it is historically bad in a lot of these situations. Right. You know, like yeah. when we get a pass interference call, it's to lose the game against Colorado or targeting. Right. Or, you know, like when we throw an interception, it's not in the middle of the second quarter. <laughs> it's to go in and tie the game on the two-yard line. Right, right. Or you're going, you know, like we find ways to do these in the times where you just can't Not do it. all mistakes are created equal. That's a better way of putting it. That not all mistakes are created equal time and you know time and play. Like the, the old analogy I always give is like, so the offense is being late. There's a big difference between me being late for a tea time with you at 9 a.m. or me being late for a job interview at 9 a.m. Exactly. Still being late. It's the same, you know, issue, right? Yeah. But one is way more of a problem than the other and it seems like I agree with you that 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 these 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 issues tend to happen in the worst possible moments yeah. of the game. And so I the, the thing that's crazy is that I mean Nebraska's now lost 7 of their last 8 games. I mean you really say that out loud and you let it sink in and it just it's frustrating and it's a lot of the same stuff. And one of the issues that has been prevalent with this team really into year two and now this year is red zone offense. Yeah. Taking everything away yesterday, just just removing everything else. What if if you had to summarize what yesterday's game came down to, it was Nebraska's inability to put points on the board in the red zone yeah. or in Northwestern territory. I mean, for the red zone, they had, they had six trips to the red zone and came away with one touchdown, and that touchdown was on a interception that was returned to the three-yard line. Yeah. So overall, though, I looked, I looked this up. Here are, because I think it's, just in, it's, it's interesting to look at it. Nebraska had eight drives into Northwestern territory. Here they are. So they Nebraska's offense drove to the Northwestern 28-yard line. It was the first drive of the game. Ended up having to punt zero points. They drove to the Northwestern 20-yard line, settled for a field goal, three points. They drove to the Northwestern 11-yard line, settled for a field goal, three points. They drove to the Northwestern 20-yard line, missed a field goal, zero points. Then had the Miles Farmer interception returned down to the three-yard line, Touchdown, seven points. They then drive to the Northwestern 25-yard line. Interception, the Martinez interception, zero points. They then drive down to the Northwestern two-yard line. Interception, McCaffrey's at the doorstep, zero points. Then on the final drive of the game, they drive all the way down to the Northwestern 14-yard line. Throw an incomplete pass on fourth down, so turnovers on downs, zero points. Like, that's the game. Yeah. That's the game. 
I mean, you have eight opportunities where you are deep into Northwestern territory and you score 13 points. Now, like I said, this would be less, that'd be a less tragic thing if, if like the Purdue game didn't happen last year where it was the same Same thing, right? It, It was the same thing with maybe, but last year was worse defense. So, but we could not score points. We could drive the field. So Nebraska right now is in this world of if we are, as long as we're inside the 220s, 20 yard line to 20 yard line, we're pretty good. If we're backed up inside our own 20, we're terrible. If we're going in on their 20, we're terrible. What is that? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out because it doesn't make sense to me that like why we can execute in the middle of the field and not. Yeah, with your yeah. yeah I right. mean, I get like you, maybe there's less less play options uh, in those areas, but at the same time, gosh, I I just think that you got you. I mean, you can't tell me you can't find a way to get get in the end zone a higher percentage of the time. I just don't understand. I mean, because I feel like you would probably know better than I would because you were a, a NFL linebacker and all conference linebacker at Nebraska. Like, I, what? What generally are the characteristics of teams that are bad red zone, like they bad red zone offenses in terms of scoring touchdowns? Well, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it, what that would be, but but I have a philosophy, and I think I, I I said this last year on the pod. I'm a believer when you get inside the three yard line, you got to get under center. Yes, and my reasoning for that is this: when you're inside that, like it's it, it's a the plays are happening quicker. The defense is firing through quicker. And the longer that snap takes to get back, and the lo- the longer the play takes to develop, and the better chance you have to like to lose. Like where when you're under center, you could hit a couple of quick plays. And it's really hard to defend a yard or two yards when they're happening fast. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a big believer in under center with you know, power runs and power play actions. Essentially what Northwestern did to us was a power off tackle play action and they made yeah. a good play, but it, it, it's just hard to stop. I mean, you know, it's one of two things on those plays, but it's so hard to stop anything for a yard or two. And we continually go to our shotgun and I, I just think it gives the defense a better chance to make plays in the backfield and I don't know. I, I personally just I I just think it's 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 simpler and it's safer to me when you do that. That's the thing. I mean, I, I do wonder if Cam Jurgens being out impacted Nebraska's level of comfort of getting under I know they don't do it very much, but I do wonder if like if Jurgens is there and it's Martinez instead of McCaffrey, do they get under center I inside think, the five? I, I History think, tells us probably not. I, I think Jurgens is a bigger part of that of our success than we understand. Yeah, I, I watched our our line didn't look near what it normally looked without right. him. I think he's a a much better player, and I think when you get Farino to that right guard, we're a better like those two guys in their prime position, like in the positions they're better at. I think that really helped our our run game and our line. I think Jurgens out's a big deal for us. Do you, you know? I think the you know, when we've been watching these old games with with Coach Osborne in this you know our Husker Classic recaps, like everybody you know praises him as a great play caller, and he and he was. But 
the most of the time he was a pretty meat and potatoes bland play caller. Yeah. But what he did is he he had timing. He had great timing on when to get cute or yeah. when to dial up something different. You know, you had the flea flicker from Frost that I don't know about the timing of that. Now, I mean, I don't know. Has Mills ever pitched a ball back to someone? Like, I don't know what that was. Yeah. Uh, And then I just, uh, RPO over the middle at the two-yard line with a six-foot quarterback? I I don't know that I I don't hate. I don't hate the play. I just, I I don't know. Like I said, I, I didn't like the first play. I don't, I'd like, some reason I like the, the thought of if you just line up you know, in a power formation under center and you give it a run or a two, you know, like, yeah, it's really hard to stop that. And I, I, especially I when it's 21, 13, a part of me, you go back to it when it's 21, 13, you know, you got to score and get two. So you're in four down territory, right? Like line up under center and run four hammers, you know, like just, just hammer mills in you know in between uh, the tackles it's four hard, times it's hard to stop especially when you just don't when you're not being very cohesive i i don't know i just i felt like once again we just we we don't i don't have enough trust in us to do fancy things right now no and the, what is it about this offense where now sometimes i bet if you just examined any other team it'd be a lot of the same results but what is it about this team, like on the drives where they get a penalty, they just usually, it usually just goes to shit fast, right? Like they, they get a false start, it gets to first and 15, and it's just done. And I, I bet if you looked at a lot of everybody's drives across all 120 FBS teams, it'd be a lot of the same. Like, well, yeah, I mean, there's the trends tell you, the analytics tell you on tribes where, you know, when you get behind the sticks, your success rate plummets. Yeah. But it feels like it's even, like it feels like if Nebraska gets a penalty at any point in a drive, the drive's just toast. And I wonder what that, I I, I wonder what that is. I don't know if it's a, 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 you know, it's a little bit of that, oh, here we go again thing where they, they, you know, they let one thing kind of derail them. But I also think that's that's a you know the the red zone inability the red zone offense is perplexing, and then the inability to overcome any self inflicted penalties is always is is amazing to me too. You know that's that that's a tough one. I don't know that I have a good answer. I, there's something though that I'm with this offense that we haven't been able to comfortably just take a snap, drop back, and throw the ball you know, mid down the field or even mid length throws or even short, like to comfortably do that. It feels like every time we throw there, it's, it's like, there's either a lot of pressure or right. It just doesn't seem to be as easy as sometimes I watch, you know, other games and quarterbacks are just throwing it all over the field and it doesn't look like they're, it's that difficult. Like we make that look a lot harder. The passing game looks like it is a grind. Like to to move the ball through the air right now seems like it is hard. Yeah, and that's, like really hard. I think we're all starting to feel that even past last year, where we're like, man, we don't got any receivers, and now we go, you know, I don't know that the receiver position has been. I I think people say it's been upgraded, but it's been upgraded by people that maybe aren't ready to play yet. Well, I think, and that's all. That's that to me means we're not upgraded. Now, no, I don't think this offense seems like it's any. It seems like it's the exact, and from a skill standpoint, 
it seems like it's no different than it was a year ago. Yeah. And that's one thing I like, because Dirk Chatlin wrote about this, and I, I think it, it bears getting into is just the general question of what has happened to the offense. Like, I would characterize Nebraska's offense as borderline bad. I mean, it's pretty average. And I get you can point to, well, how about how they move? You look at the total yards. Like, I don't get, like, you got to score. Yeah. We're, here's here's a, maybe a better way to say it. Like, we're not bad at moving the ball, we're bad at scoring points. And, and so. You know, it's still Bo Pelini, great line he gave somebody when he was giving it someone at a press conference. Like it's it's because people were giving him a crap about giving yeah. up yards. He said it's it's not about yards; it's about points. And and, and ultimately, that's all that matters. And I like, think that's what we're going to have to focus on the rest of this year is our ability to score versus our ability to move. I think we were at the start of the year. We were like, I mean, at times at last year, we were like, man, we couldn't move, just even move the ball. No. And we, we like we need to find a way to move the ball this year, control the clock, all true things. But I think what we're finding out is even if you move the ball and control the clock, you're going to be in games, but people want to win those. Like Northwestern's a team that, you know, we should beat. We should win yeah. that game. <laughs> and we had control of the ball. We moved it. Um, but if you don't score points – then, then the odds of winning go way, way down. Like if you can't get enough points where that time of possession um, and that control of the game matters, that that's. I mean, I don't know. To me, it's like that. Like talent wise, that's a wash, or we're maybe more talented and we didn't get the job done by getting points on the board. Well, that's right. I mean, I look at that because the one thing I was nervous about it would be interesting to encapsulate everybody's confidence level at halftime. I felt decent about the game, but when when Nebraska had three straight trips deep into Northwestern territory and came away with six points where they made two field goals and then missed one, I was, I, I, you, th- you just think to yourself, you're just asking for it. Because you know, it's you're, North, you're, that's Northwestern's that's what Northwestern, game. They've won Once that game. S- We've seen that game a million times, both for Northwestern and for Nebraska. It's, it's it's seven years in a row of that game, and we know as soon as we start settling for field goals – we're most likely going to succumb to Northwestern, right? Because that's they're that's going to hang in there, hang in there, hang and their in defense there. gets better as the day as the game goes, and that that's so you got to score on them early, in my opinion, because they get better as they go. So, you know, with just from a, back to the whole broad thing of just like what has happened to the offense, because it's interesting where like that was supposed to be Frost thing, like when Frost was hired. The one given, the one thing you felt like everybody could just go, okay, here's the thing. You just take take, take it to the bank that Nebraska is going to be able to move the ball and score points more importantly. And I don't think how it's even debatable that the offense has unequivocally, not even debatably, regressed each year so far under Frost. And... We were talking to it. Just it doesn't even look like the offense that he was running at Central Florida or what you saw in Eugene, Oregon. I mean, sometimes these stats in a vacuum, it's like well, cool, Nick. You you looked up, you know how to work Google. But in 2017, where Frost year they go undefeated at Central Florida, they didn't have a single game where they scored less than 30 points. Not a single game. Nebraska's last 10 games, so the final eight games of last year and then the first two this year, they've only scored more than 30 points two times. 
One was at Maryland. You guys remember, I mean, Maryland was atrocious last year. Yeah. And then the other one was Indiana at home where they lost. So it's just, what is, what's happening with the offense? It, what's hard is I think a lot of people wanted us to, to be conservative and not lose games with turnovers and things, right? But I also feel like we, we don't threaten people. Like there's no threat to us right now. You know what I'm saying? Like there's something about us with not being able to threaten the ball down the field in any way that you just become so predictable. Like the amount of predictable quarterback draws we have. I think every Husker fan is like, well, obviously quarterback draw. Like quarterback draw shouldn't be like that predictable. So, Bo, in all reality, the only thing, the only chance Nebraska has to move the ball consistently right now is with a quarterback draw. Or the quarterback, or a quarterback run where you know they're pulling. Or a, it. Yeah, court, yeah. Any sorry, I which, should just say a quarterback run. Which is, yeah, which is a part of our. It's a big part of our. I'm not, I'm not, like and I don't which, necessarily mean that as a shot, but like again, what is Nebraska? This was the whole thing that made it hard towards the end of the Pelini era. Was it was like when the when Pelini's defense started to go. It's like, well, wait a minute. This was supposed to be like your thing. Yeah. Your whole thing as a coach is defense. Yeah. And when what you do is not yielding results, all of a sudden everything looks different. And so you you just you look at things right now and it's just amazing like Wandell Robinson has become a non-factor. Like he's he has become a, a you don't even feel his presence on the field at well, all. Well, here here's the hard part with Wandale, okay? And and this isn't a shot at Wandell because I think he's our best player. Yes. I think he's our best football player. But the problem with Wandale is he's really short. No, he's tiny. So you have to get him the ball on the move a lot of times either on pitches or just hand it to him or, you know, little choice routes or something, right? And But you can't really expect him down the field to do anything. He's not a vertical threat because he's so short. Right. You know, like... It's like Wes Welker. It's like you didn't run Wes Welker on go routes as much, but he's even shorter than Wes Welker. Oh, yeah. And so the thing with Wandale is we're having a hard time finding him like good places to get it unless we just line him up at back, which we didn't want to do to beat him up. So I think the conundrum here is if nobody's there to 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 take some heat off, like I think they're fo- wherever Wandale goes, I mean, it seems like we faked a Wanda a lot because I think he's drawing so much attention that you needed somebody to to be a threat outside and up the field so that the coverage can open up for Wandale underneath, maybe. Yeah, because right, so yes. you can throw it on little shorter routes that he's open, or even those little screens to him, which people have been all over him. It, on these it seems screens. like right now the only way to get Wandale a touch and get him anything is with a little screen, a little a little pop yeah. pass, and. Then I think there's a twofold conundrum within that where and I'm 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 just projecting. I don't know this to be true, but I kind of think it probably is. I think the conundrum is they know they gotta get they know Wandale's their probably their biggest game breaker yeah. threat. And within the offense right now, the only way to get him the ball is with those screens. So what other what what do Cade Warner and Falk and Lever, what do they probably do better? Than Manning and Betts and Elante Brown and Marcus Fleming. They're out there to block. They're out there to block. So all of a sudden now you have this. So what do you do? 
As a you defender, this, as a defender, the the easy part is as soon as you see those guys, you tighten up and you're like, watch Wandale and watch screen. Like you, you're thinking that you're so not. So you're almost telegraphing what you're going to do, but so it just gets hard. It's just it's this tough spot where you're in, where it's like he. All I know is he's got it. You. There, there's a lot of the number one priority is the quarterback situation. We'll get to yeah. that in a second. But I'd argue the second most important thing is if you you got to find a way to get Wandale more involved. Yeah. And to me, if you're not going to using him how he's being used right now, he he he's a non-factor. So I'm one of those guys that's I've never like I'm not opposed to him sliding back and getting carries at running back. Yeah, I think here's what they because I I see them using him as a decoy, which. You know that's okay as long as when you're not giving him the ball, that there are like if we're moving the ball because people are running with him and keeping their eyes on him, that's good. Keep doing that. But the problem is, is like if we're not getting points and not moving the ball, and he's always the decoy, I'd much rather default like let's just give him some extra carries and let's give him some extra touches. Where if you're gonna lose, it's gonna be you're gonna lose by Wandale. Having the ball. That's my thing. I just think through two games, again, he's a non-factor. I mean, he's been a non-factor. Yeah, but I, I do think that's out of respect to Wandale sure, by the defense. I, yeah, but, but, uh, but like, there gets to a point where you can't just concede, like, oh, okay, so you, you want to you wanna try and take Wandale? That's fine. You guys, well, okay. Yeah, You then you better beat, if you're not beating teams if you, if away from Wandale. If you're for whatever it yeah. is that they're doing then to give take it to Wandale, Wandale away, yeah. then... You need to find a way to get Wandale the ball. That's and that's a schemer's job. Is like, look, no matter what, this guy is getting the ball, and every week we're going to find ways to do that. And I mean, even if every play is Wandale's either the decoy or getting the ball, like that's a, not a bad place to start, right? I mean, it's because right now, I, I don't know. I, I think that he's the only player in Nebraska. If you went to Pat Fitzgerald and you went to Ryan Day and said. In terms of Nebraska's skill guys, who who is the only one you were afraid of? Yeah. It's him. Wandale. That's it. And so you got to get him going. And so you just look at it. So Wandale's become a non-factor. Nebraska's wide receiver situation is problematic. We've been over that. I do think you're going to start to see more of bets. And you're seeing uh, Fleming start to get involved yeah. a little bit. And I, I, I like, I mean, the thing is everybody says the bets out of Omaha was uniquely athletic. Well, his, his, the, he caught a pass from Luke McCaffrey yesterday and you, you, like just the eye test, you went, whoa, okay. That looks like, that looks like that's how, the, that's yeah. how they're supposed to look, you know, like yeah. that's how a big time wide receiver is supposed to that's look. That's how it's supposed to look. And Omar Manning came out there and I mean, you could tell when he came out, it was like, they're going to try to get him the ball and it just, it didn't happen. But he is—he's not out. It looks like he does. They're not ready to play him yet. So here's the issue: is like Betts in this Fleming. They did a good job as f- true freshmen coming yes. in and playing Nick, which it's hard to do. But I think it's still going to be a full year till those guys are comfortable, and you can't dominate people until you're comfortable. And so between Betts, between. Fleming between Elante Brown and Omar Manning. Those are four guys that we need out there now. And I, I am, I'd rather concede. We're not going to have 
those guys ready till next year. Well, because I mean, I mean, you, the weapons right now. It just seems like with with who's on the field through two games, you just don't have a lot of guys. You have guys that might move the change, but you don't have a lot of guys that are going to change the scoreboard. So, and there's a big difference between those two things. So here's here's my pop quiz. Let's take a quick break to talk to you guys about my good friends at Arunza. Got another super secret menu item that uh, when I when I revealed this super secret menu item uh, about a month or so ago, let's just say everybody's minds were blown. Everybody's minds were blown. Here's the deal. Did you know at Runza, you can get anything on a Runza sandwich? Think about that. Yeah, you, you don't have to rewind it. In a, anything on a Runza sandwich. Like, I, I love a cheese Runza, but if I wanted to, I could throw pickles in there. I could throw a little mustard in there. I could throw some French fries in there. Anything within reason that's in the kitchen, you can ask for, and they'll add it in the Runza sandwich. How about that? Because every single Runza is made to order. They all start as an original with no toppings. Then they add toppings when you order, and boom, you got a custom Runza. You can't beat that. How about that? I'm sure your mind is blown. That's today's super secret menu item. I had to, had to revive this and tell you about it for my friends at Runza. The build your own Runza. Get into Runza today. Get one that's just for you, and tell them your pal Nick Baugh sent you. And while we're here, let's talk about Pella windows and doors. I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. Let's uh, let's pull up uh, let's pull up Pella's website right now. Look at this. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five. Five different types of windows or doors by Pella have won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. I mean, that's some that's that's incredible. And they achieve that in a couple of ways. You have the insulated glass which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. You have types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. You have triple-pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all that, within all that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for windows and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Turn your window and door remodeling dreams into a reality with Pella. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Back to the podcast. Who out of our whole team did we feel comfortable throwing the ball down the field to? Who is the only people we targeted to? Titans. Titans. Yep. That's the only group that Scott Frost has the confidence that they are physically able to th to be thrown to down the field yeah. right now. That's it. Because, I mean, in the red zone, Fade to Vokalek. Yeah. One interception from Martinez was trying to throw it to Vokalek. There was another play in the second half, a long pass over yep. the middle to Vokalek. Like, the only, the only vertical threats are the tight ends right now. Yeah, Allen Alan Vokalek and... and you know the thing about them is that they're I think they're good big athletes, but they're not Gronk, right? They're not gonna go, like the I saw Notre Dame's tight end yesterday. I was like, that dude <laughs> is ready to go to the NFL, right? And they're not quite there. So like you know even Allen on that interception by Martinez, bad throw, bad decision. Allen's got to beat a five foot eleven cornerback to that ball, like six foot eight. Right. He got jumped over. Like those are the things where. Well, you know, even Vokalek in the first, it, he had one where 
a guy b- broke it up. He didn't even go. He didn't even jump. Yeah. So he he, he tried. He acted like it was just going to hit him in his hand. I think it's he like, got pi in that in the end, didn't he? No. This was in the this was in the second half. Oh. There was a long pass to Vokalek in the middle of the field. Oh. Okay. And, and he didn't even make a play in the ball. And I, so I think what you're getting at is like. Just because you're big doesn't necessarily mean you're a great pass catcher in traffic. Yeah, we got to have people that go get the ball, go catch the ball. Like there's a couple of throws to the outside where our guys got to win and catch, go get the ball, like attack the ball with your hands. That's right. what receivers coaches always talk about. Attack the ball with your hands. And those guys it, didn't do that. No, and, and that's a that's where it's like, okay, I'm not going to blame the quarterbacks for that. However. Yeah, well, I just think like <laughs> the quarterbacks. I, we have to talk about this. Well, I think point. real quick, we'll get to the quarterbacks in a second, but I also want to say like, I, you know, so the weapons, the running back, like Nebraska doesn't appear to have a real game changer at running back either. Like Mil- Mills is just okay. Mills is He's just okay. Mills is is serviceable at back. I'm fine with Mills. He he's he's done what I thought Mills was going to do. Right, but I, but I'm saying if like you're if you're going to be a program that is that hangs its hat on offense and like the identity of what we do is we are gonna we're gonna light up the scoreboard you can't have an okay guy at you need the bell cow remember they need you need a you need a stud there so i guess i'm with you like i'm not like for what i expect of mills he's he's like meeting my expectation but the problem is of what that expectation is i don't think he's an elite player by any like well no I, I think he's serviceable and he he's i think he's tough he does his job um but we don't have amir abdullah where amir abdullah changes our whole offense right because you just give him the ball you just give him the ball 20 to 25 times where i don't know that we think about that with mills it's like mills is a if he's open, you hand it to him. If this was Amir Abdul, just give it to him. See, and, and that's the only thing. And it's funny, I didn't think I was going to talk about this as we because it wasn't even in my notes here. But like, th- these are the things that like make me want to give Wandale more carries because at least Wandale can make something happen. Agreed, and I I think you're going to see Wandale it manufactured a little bit more where. It just got to be in his hands. I just think it. I just think it does. I, that's just. That's and, just. And that that's not wrong because, I don't know about you. I, I felt like to start the year out, Wandale was being used as a decoy, maybe rightfully so, and they didn't want to start out like, let's give him twenty carries in the first game and get him hurt. Right. I and think, I th- and I think they probably thought in a perfect world, we want to keep him. Yes. At, you know, we want to keep him at that slot. We want to throw him the ball. In a perfect world, we don't want to have to move him to running back. But sometimes yeah. you have to know when that perfect world doesn't exist and you need to maybe make some changes. And I just, at at this point, I wonder if that's, if that's a conversation that needs to be had. But, you know, I just, it's one of those things with you, to, to wrap up kind of the broad thing with the offense, where it's like you kind of go, what has happened? There is, there's no doubt that there is, there is a talent component to this that is real, but that also doesn't. I'm not ready to just let Frost off the hook for the deterioration of the offense. Like, there's no question that I see it. Like, we joked around. You watched that Clemson Notre Dame game last night after watching Nebraska Northwestern, and you just you feel like it's you're watching almost a different sport. 
You you feel like you're watching the though that game looked like it was the NFL and Nebraska was was small small ball, and so again I'm not naive to that, but that's also like that's also a part of his job too. Yeah, and, and what's funny is this is like some people, I don't know some people I think hint at development, and I guess I haven't seen the lack of development. Like I just see like. I just don't know that I've seen the talent get. Totally agree. And so, I, like, to me, it's like, okay, you look at Betts and Manning, Fleming, and Brown, okay? I think there's there's probably more talent there. And if there's no – if nothing comes out of those guys in two or three years, right? then we might have to start talking about where's the development. That, But I'm totally with you in – Listen, I'm not saying that development always has to be a huge component to any program, but I think one of the things about football, one of the unique things about football is I don't think you need to be, you know, Bill Parcells or Bill Belichick or Bill Walsh to be able to see see ability in offensive skill guys right away. Yeah. Like, how many carries did it take for you to go, Rex Burkett's pretty good? Yeah, no. Like, one. Yeah. How many carries did it take? How many times did it take you seeing Wandell Robinson touch the ball to go, that guy's pretty good? Yeah, right. It's it's right away. Usually, it pops right away. And I'm with you. Like, Ramir Johnson. Yeah. Uh, Marvin Scott. You know, I, okay. I mean, uh, Ronald Tompkins. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I so... I don't. I'm with you. I don't necessarily see a developmental thing, and so I don't. I'm just pointing it out. It's just interesting yeah. when you think about it. But ultimately, every offense is all, is usually only as good as their big weapon, and that's the quarterback. Before we get into to, there's a lot to unpack here. What did you think of the fact that that McCaffrey didn't even play until the the third quarter when he got pulled? Well, to me, you know, Frost said they maybe had a couple plays for him that, that it, it didn't work out. It. Yep. But to me, that was a that was a signal that this is Adrian Martinez's chance to be the guy. Mm-hmm. They had made the decision that, all right, the first game, Luke did some good things. Martinez did some good things. Neither guy did the, enough to, to warrant being the guy. Default, Martinez, you're shot. And... I think we'll see what happens tomorrow right. in the next couple of days. But to to be a third year quarterback, team captain, you got the whole game. You make a bad play, and you don't play anymore in that game. That says a lot to me. Yeah, to- totally agree. And with Martinez, I think it's important to preface. Not just yesterday, but even a lot of last year, with a lot of the issues, it's not all on him. Not even close. It's nope. not all on him. He, we've just spent the past ten minutes talking about. He's got very few big time wide receivers. I would say he's got a average running back. He's handing the ball to, but some of this is on him. One of the things about quarterbacking is like. When you're in the game, how does just the entire offense look? And things just don't really run smooth with him in there. 
He seems a half a step slow on things. He hasn't been accurate throwing the ball. And, Bo, at the end of the day, the team isn't scoring points and the team isn't winning games. So when those when that's the when that's the reality of the deal sometimes you got to like you got to maybe explore a change and like for McCaffrey I don't sit there and see Luke as definitively better than Martinez but sometimes in order to get different results you need to do something different and you know the old definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result is it insane to think that all of a sudden we're going to like this saturday we're going to turn on the game and martinez is all of a sudden going to pop it's probably a little crazy to think that so i i think i i completely agree with your point i I, I came into this year giving Martinez the benefit of the doubt. Me that too. It should be his job. That I think he has a ceiling that he can get back to that was closer to his freshman year. That a lot of things were out of his hands for, for how he performed. At the end of the day, these last two games, the, the what, what I've taken away is that not Mart- I don't think Martinez is a bad player. I just don't think Martinez is a s- ceiling is as high as I thought it could be. And then the most important thing comes to me is, is he a winner? Is he going to make this team win? And the conclusion has been, in close games, we lose. Yes. And so uh, it's not on all him, right? Right. But there is something to the quarterback that sometimes even the less talented guy, which I would argue right now, I think as a pure passing quarterback, McCaffrey is less talented right. than Martinez. But for whatever reason, I, I, I almost think I would believe that this offense might run better with McCaffrey. It might run faster. It might run on time. And I think there is a chance that McCaffrey has that, that sort of it factor thing where he – he has a fire that Mar- Martinez doesn't potentially have. Like mm-hmm. the thing inside of him that's very yeah. competitive, um, that's extra competitive that I think can take you over the hump sometimes. I think McCaffrey might be able to provide that. I don't know. Like I said, I almost think Martinez is more talented. I but guess. McCaffrey has an intangible, like even him, he was kind of erratic out there and was just like playing backyard football. But he drove us down the field his two times. I I felt like coming cold off the bench, and I made me go, yeah, he didn't get it in the end zone. He blew that interception. But if you the give ball. him a whole game, is he going to win it? I felt better about him than I did Martinez. There's something about just the overall feel. The offense seems to move quicker when he's in there. I don't know if he, he seems like he's he's a little more quick and decisive with his decisions. And and that's and that's it as the thrower. He doesn't throw as good of a ball. I think he gets it out on time quicker. Or he run like he makes the decision to run quicker. Yes. You know? And so that I agree. I don't think it necessarily was the prettiest drive in the world. No, it was not. But the bottom line is like he was moving the ball. Like the, the they marched, they kind of marched down the field. 
and got to the two-yard line, and they made a mistake. He made a mistake. I didn't love the play call, whatever. But I just, you know, with Martinez, I just think the, at this point, I think the results are in, and the sample size is big enough to where we can make a conclusion on what Martinez can be in this particular situation. In this offense, I just don't know that he's a dynamic enough runner to to be in there where to keep assuming he's going to get that much better as a thrower. I, I don't know. Like I don't know. I'm I just am not seeing. I'm not seeing the the next level stuff that we've wanted to see that's going to like elevate. That's what I'm saying. I just these think players the that size, are not as good. This isn't a small sample size. It's his third year. Like we have seen a lot of football with him. Yeah. And again, I don't think he's a bad player. We're not saying he's like, oh, he's terrible. Like usually if you lose your job, you think like bad, play. he's not a bad player, but I just think the results are in and the sample size is big enough to make a conclusion as to what you're going to get with him in this particular situation. And I also wonder if if right now there is something that this this team needs a shot yeah. of something. And sometimes you know you you know the whole I go back to that whole and you know the, doing the same thing over and over and expect a different result like sometimes you need to make a change Almost to to for for everybody to go. Okay, well, let's see now. Okay, now we got Luke at quarterback. Okay, let's see what happens now with Luke at quarterback. Yeah, and, and that and that's that's kind of where I think they're going to be at. And they'll make the call this week. I, in my mind, I think they'll make the call for McCaffrey. They may not. You never know. But to me, it seems like the time. Like the, the two games, and we obviously would have been nice to play Wisconsin, but. You know, I, I think at this point, like, what, what do you, you don't have to worry about Martinez transferring. I think, like I said, Martinez has sort of been hovering around an average quarterback now for, you know, 13 or 14 straight games. And you just go, all right, like, this isn't winning us ballgames. You're, you're, not, you're not winning and you're not scoring points. Like, you're not winning, you're not scoring points. And so. I'm with you. Like my guess is, it's now Luke's going to be the guy. But I also think, like, it'll be interesting now to see how this is handled because you can't let this quarterback thing. This was always my concern with how all this stuff would go. Like, you can't let this quarterback thing become a distraction and linger for too long now. And in a perfect world, one of these players, you know, in a perfect world, what you hoped, we even said this for a season. Martinez could have made this whole thing very easy. He could have gone out and just balled out and taken the job. Yeah. And so that didn't happen. So now I think it's going to be Luke's opportunity to just take the take this opportunity, seize it, and run with it. Yeah. And because you do wonder you wonder about Martinez's confidence and and where it's at now. Once you get pulled, that's a tough deal. But it's a delicate situation now. I, I don't. I'm not necessarily sold on my 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 desire to say go with Luke is is not necessarily centered out of a place of I think Luke is a star, 
but it's more out of, well, I've seen enough from Luke and I've seen a lot from Adrian to go, I think it's time to give someone else the ball and see what they can do. Yeah, Luke is a little bit of an enigma because he's had a small sample size and it's been a lot of hit with a couple of misses. So there's a couple of plays he'll make where you're just kind of like, what? But he also has made enough good plays that you kind of go, well, what if you gave this guy a whole game? That, that's my thought. It's like, what if you gave this guy four quarters every series? Because you know what? The one here's the one thing I've been thinking about with Luke is the the Oregon offense at the Frost offense at Oregon and Frost offense at USC. It moved like lightning, and since he's been at Nebraska, we've moved like average teams move, like. I in terms kind of, of the tempo. Yeah. I thought the tempo was was always, hey, we're trying to get it so that we can go faster once we get better and more comfortable. And we're in year three, and I and I don't know if that's a Martinez thing or if that's a Frost decision thing. But I feel like Luke, they say, even Mills mentioned it in the paper, was like, the offense moves faster when Luke's in there. Yes. It's like him. He gets a go, go, go. Come on, come on, come on. Right. I think that's a Luke thing maybe that you have to either be wired like that to do it, to be able to do it like that. And But I agree I, with you I, totally. I think that's how the offense is supposed to run. So I, I'm curious a to part, see. I'm sure a part of the, a part of a big part of the offense success hinges on getting that tempo going. Yeah. So, so exactly. I think not only within Luke, things happen quicker, not even that I was talking like once he gets the snap, but I even think I could see but that's Luke, true. Yeah, I think I think that's true. Like I think he makes quicker decisions, balls out of his hands, he he runs whatever. But I think you could see the tempo look more like we all thought it was going to look with Luke in there, and so we'll see we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah. My my guess is is your my guess is against Penn State this Saturday, Luke is going to be your starter. And, and speaking of Penn State, what what happened there? I don't know. I mean, they're zero and three. Maryland, Maryland rocked them, killed them, rocked them. So that that's the thing that's tough. I mean, you got a situation here where you got a very wounded Penn State team coming into your house. Where I think I saw today, the opening line was four. Penn State was favored by four. So I mean, this is another winnable game. Yeah, you know, because that's the thing that's so hard about all this is like, I mean, everybody listen to this. So the game we watched on Saturday. Northwestern won, which now Northwestern is undefeated, and they got wins over Iowa, Purdue, and Nebraska. <laughs> they are in the big-time driver's seat to win the West. Yeah. So that team's, barring a monumental collapse, like that team's in a great position to have a date with Ohio State to play for the Big Ten title. Mm-hmm. You think that team's very good? We're better than that team They're in not, my mind. That's right. Like I don't think Nebraska's very good at all. And Nebraska had every opportunity in the world to not just win that game. Nebraska could have and maybe even should have been, and I know we play the coulda, shoulda shit every week, but they could have or should have been up like 20-7 to at halftime. Yeah, I mean, we try to be honest with our coulda, shoulda. Like, our coulda, shoulda at Ohio State was like, man, we should have lost by 14. Yeah. And this one is like, we should have won by 14. Yes. And, And so I just, so that's what's so hard about this is like, I sit there and I go, man, Nebraska's such a long ways away. But then I, but then I watch Nebraska play Northwestern, and Northwestern's now going to go potentially win the West. And I'm like, Nebraska's just as good as they are. That that was my point when when last week I was talking about 
you know, and then you you said the same thing is like this is not like I saw the writing in the wall. Like you're you're going to give anybody that that has three or four wins is going to maybe go to the the big right. the big ten. Like like that's so doable if you're willing to go take it. And this team, nobody's willing to take it, and and that's why I guess it, it goes on the head coach and it goes to the quarterback. Like right. the, that those the I think our quarterback until we get a quarterback that that finds a way to win games instead of finding a way to lose games. Right. Like we're never going to win here if that doesn't get fixed first. 100%. 100%. Uh You feel good about all the offense we we'd leave we, any stone unturned with the quarterbacks in the offense? Yes. Cuz I cuz I think let's move to the defense. I I, I thought the defense played well enough to win the game yesterday. They forced two turnovers. Yeah. One was a pick that was returned to the doorstep, setting up a touchdown for the offense. And bottom line, they held Northwestern to 21 points. Yep, 21 points. Um, that first touchdown was on those two suspended players. Those two guys I've, both filled late and took bad angles, missed tackles. And and then and then they had a bad, their opening drive to start the second half, the defense wasn't great. Yeah. But other than that, I thought the defense, I feel like the defense has really, I mean, they're not the 95 black shirts or the 94 black shirts or like that, but like they have, to me, they have gotten better. What I've seen out of them is just the, the fundamentals are better. Their understanding of their fits. Like I think all that time they spent on these zoom calls and understanding the defense. I think even the coaches, understanding their own defense had to get better. Right. And I see that. And I think everybody sees that. I think we're tackling better, even though we missed a couple, it's not near as bad as it had been. Right. So the, the parts that we don't have is we're still a little soft on coverage and we got no pass rush, like no real pass rushers. Right. right. Um, that's really it. I, I think our linebacker play has gotten better. I think, Ty Robinson, uh, Casey Rogers, Casey Rogers. Yeah, like, Ty Robinson's going to be a real. Ty player. Robinson's a baller. I thought. Uh, I thought Luke Reimer played really well yesterday. Right. So mark my words, Reimer. In one game, I think has moved himself to maybe the best player in our defense. I I I, I didn't want to be too prisoner of the moment, but right now, if someone said cast your ballot on Nebraska's best player in defense. I'm not so sure it's not Luke Reimer. I see he had five plays against Maryland last year. And I looked at the way he played and I went, nobody's moving like, him. so, I mean, he shoots, he had one, he I mean, flies. He, he, he's what I would call an eraser, which is an eraser player on defense is a guy that does his job, but is then is fast enough to cover ground when somebody else misses. And he'll, and so instead of, a play going for 40 goes for seven because that guy gets over and makes a tackle. Right. Or, you know, the quarterback scrambles and they get him for for three yards instead of that quarterback running for 15. Like, they're fast enough to beat an angle or something. Well, I just think with him, I think there's also something, too, because you were, you were like this, but you were fast, but, like, you weren't like Levante David fast. He's, but but he's you real played fast. fast because you you could diagnose things, diagnose and see things quickly. Yeah. He seems like one of those guys that I don't know. And maybe he is. Maybe he is a four. Maybe his 40 is super fast and he's an explosive guy. Because like guy he looks like man, he plays fast. 
Not only is he fast, but he plays fast. So the, 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 my brother said this about him is, you know, he's a walk-on, not highly recruited. He, he decided to come here over – he had a scholarship offered South Coast State. But he, said, he decided to change his mindset. I'm staying home. Um, out of Lincoln, North Star. Um, the first day in drills, <laughs> immediately my brother was like, is this our best guy? You know, like <laughs> – Right. Nick, walk on right. freshmen that are unheard of are not supposed to be your best guy. This guy, I don't know what how he went so under the radar. Nobody saw this guy, but he has a lot of talent. Oh, like I, we're talking NFL talent right. from a walk on from Lincoln that nobody heard of. And, and it's it's pretty amazing that, but I mean he's already I really think he'll be He'll be a factor around here for a couple of years. I I thought he looked good. Uh, I thought once again JoJo Doman diagnosed a few things really well. He sniffed he sniffed out a, a screen, uh, yeah. and blew it up. He I mean I thought more, JoJo more good JoJo than bad JoJo more good JoJo than bad JoJo because <laughs> there could be some, I mean that's kind of JoJo you know yeah JoJo's a boomer bus guy. I thought Henrich made a few good plays again. It's good to see him get on the field a little bit. Colin Miller. Uh, Colin's just not very fast. That's like bananas, I, I just yeah. think that's the biggest thing I think with I see with him. He's just not a he's not a very fast player. Uh, but yeah, I just I think I look at the defense yesterday. It's like, I mean, they, they, two interceptions, one to the three yard line. They gave up twenty one points. Yeah, like, I mean, here's the thing too is like think about this. Like Henrich is uh, he's playing out of position, but he's a good enough football guy that he's out there. But really, he should eventually be back in the middle. And if you get two pass rushers with, you know, Robinson and Stilly and uh, Daniels and Keem Green, like I think we really that's a that's a good a good defensive front, right? Um, I think we just yeah we need a couple more, just you know, speedy defensive backs, lockdown guys, two more pass rushers, and we are got a decent little thing going. We got something going for us because I think those guys are are good football players, right? But I, I would say when we talk about development, why I don't question the offense's players' development is because I'm seeing the defensive guys. Like, I, I've seen the development there. They totally are agree. better players than they were two years ago. I think that's a good that's a good sign with culture. Um, I don't think the defense is there yet. Like, I'm not ready to anoint them. No, I don't even know no, if they've given out. The, yeah, but uh, like, they're not there yet where they're dominating games. No, and they're still giving up a lot of third downs they're, and stuff. You they're know, like, learning how to be sound right now. So that's still a learning process. But I, I, I think it's it's important that they're playing solid ball right now because the offense is trying to figure it out. So. Totally agree. And real quick before we wrap it up with the Alofast takeaway, like, I thought once again, special teams reared its ugly head again in, in a few spots. I mean, you missed a field goal. That happens, but you missed a field goal. And then if you think about two of Northwestern's touchdowns came on long returns. Yeah. You have the long kickoff return to start the second half, which Northwestern then drives down the field and scores. And then you have the long punt return that leads to the touchdown we, that goes up. 20. We got a couple of donkeys out there in those those what? punt punt teams. You know they they got the snap, and sometimes that's the snapper, which is what was hard, the long, yeah the long snapper just literally the if you go rewatch the play on the long punt return, the long snapper snaps it, runs all the way down the field, and gets right next to the Northwestern punt returner, and then seemingly <laughs> stands there like stops playing, 
and stands. As if he was like, we well, need some I was, guys to, to go. Co- I mean, that's just to me, like, go cover. You know what I mean? Go cover the dang thing. But, I, that, I, but that's where I just think, once again, you know, I mean, these timely, and I hate that I keep on referencing back to, you know, even little thing. Wandale had a punt return opportunity where he was finally going to get some room, and this maybe would get, okay, here we go. Your most electric, dangerous weapon, and he drops the punt. But I'll, here's here's I'll give credit to them, though, is they got good special teams. Their punter bombed it you know like when your punter bombs it that's the type of things that happens like when you when you kick it short they get a return even a little thing like this nebraska's very first possession they drive down they have a couple penalties they have to punt yeah you know what would have been nice pen their ass inside the 10 yeah instead nebraska punts it like out of the end zone. Yeah. So then instead of taking over at the six yard line, you're taking over at the 25 and they go then score on their first drive. Like yeah. that's the stuff. That that's the stuff makes that good, a difference. Good teams like, just, they, they don't, they don't shoot themselves in the foot and they get rolling and they, they don't let teams get out of the hole. You know, that that's the thing that we're, we're not, light years away talent wise to be able to do that. What we're light years away of is like understanding how important those little things are. Like, like no one thinks that first, the first time you trot onto the field and you punt your first punt, no one thinks big play here, but you know, what's a big play is penning him inside the, inside the tent. Yeah. That, that's, we just don't, you I know don't, what I mean? Like it, 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 yeah, I feel like we, we just, we don't got guys that, that are obsessed with the details yet. Right. And yeah. I think that's where we got to get to. And so that that's, that's a good place to wrap it up and to wrap it up. We'll wrap it up with the aloe fast takeaway. And I mean, again, you've known me for a long time. I've made a lot of bad decisions in my life. Going with aloe for internet and TV is one of the best decisions I've ever made. Working from home, never been more important than it is right now. Zoom calls, different things. You want fast, reliable internet. That's what you have with Allo. It's the all-fiber network in Lincoln and across the state, second to none. Uh, again, I tell people all the time, I can be I, I can be downloading games, streaming a game while my wife is watching Netflix, my daughter is watching Disney+, and literally everything is flying with this Wi-Fi. It's the best internet. I, I'm not saying that. I mean, like, <laughs> it's the best internet I've ever had by a mile. By a mile. So go to allofiber.com. Allofiber.com and tell them Nick Baugh sent you. Okay, the Allofast takeaway from this game. Um, quarterback change coming? Is that the is that the big, I mean? Uh, uh, either, co- I think quarterback change along with the offense needs to go to the doctor right now and, yeah. needs, and needs a checkup. Big yeah. time. Yeah, I, I totally agree. The, the two biggest things you walk away from is you walk away going, okay, it now feels like the Martinez time could be done and it's McCaffrey time and this offense, what has happened to this offense? Yeah. And I think McCaffrey, the McCaffrey era has a chance to begin to begin, but I wouldn't say the Martinez era is over yet until McCaffrey McCaffrey has to win a game. And I think it's McCaffrey era. I agree. And I think not to go wrap it up with two like big picture doom and gloom thought, but it's just a, it's, it's, a real thought. I think I might've said this to you before. You just go look maybe outside of Bill Callahan. You just go look 
across all of college football, at all the 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 coaching eras that never fully get it going. One of the common denominators behind all of those is they never get the quarterback right. I could argue one of the for all the head scratching things and you go, what's going on with Jim Harbaugh in Michigan? They haven't gotten the quarterback right. Yeah. They haven't gotten a good player at quarterback. You know, I you look at I think Mike Riley is never going to work, but they just Tommy Armstrong didn't fit. Tanner Lee wasn't a good player. Yeah. I mean, Bill Callahan's maybe the only exception to that because he had good quarterbacks. Yeah, but more often than not, when you don't get the quarterback right, your 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 the the chances of your era really ascending and achieving its maximum potential usually doesn't happen. Yeah. So it's important to see now what's going to happen at this quarterback spot because for everything we talk about being important, no doubt, got to get another pass rusher. These guys got to, uh, they got to get bigger, faster, stronger. They got to mentally get whatever. But like ultimately, you can say Nebraska is going to kind of sink or swim with however good of a quarterback they got. Yeah. We're not going to win and really win until we get somebody get the quarterback right. So we'll see what ends up happening here. But I think, again, this is what happens. Like, here comes here's my week. Saturday comes, I get my heart broken. Sunday, I pout. Monday, I'm still pouting a little bit. Tuesday, Caffrey's announces the starter. Oh my God! <laughs> Tuesday, <laughs> the pieces of my heart start coming together. What if McCaffrey? Wednesday, really Thursday, Friday, and by the time I wake up on Saturday morning, I'm ready to. I'm ready to love again. I'm I... ready to. I'm ready to get hurt again. I'm ready to believe again. I'll Nick. I'll do that the rest of my life too. <laughs> No, I, I'll do it every week. It's so fine. you right now, do I think Nebraska is going to beat Penn State? Probably not. Saturday morning, you ask me, as I'm drinking coffee, I mean, you take Nebraska by 21 points probably. You always take That's how the homers. That's what it is right there. All right. Hour and five minutes, my friend. That's Beauty. pretty good right there. All right, that'll do it for the Recap Pod. We'll holler at you next Sunday, Nebraska-Penn State Recap Pod. All right, my thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Runza. Best fries on the planet. Great burgers. Cheese Runza. Delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. A Huda Media Production.